0: Welcome to the CC Broadcast, a part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministries. This week we'll be hearing from our radio preacher, Reverend Steve Kramer, and his message, A Helpful Word for Laborers.
1: Life and work can be tiring and trying. So how do you renew and re-energize yourself in the midst of your labors? God's Word has some helpful guidance for us today. We begin our worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, your Son, Jesus Christ, dignified our labor by sharing our toil. Be with your people where they work. Make those who carry on the industries and commerce of this land responsive to your will. And to all of us, give pride in what we do. And a just return for our labor. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
2: Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things have done.
1: Today's reading is from Luke chapter four, beginning at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read.
3: To the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation, O oh, my soul, praise Him for He is thy health and salvation. Self- Yes, so gently sustain. It. Has thou not seen? And mercy here daily attend thee. Wonder anew what the Almighty can do if with His love He be friends.
1: Labor Day weekend, a time set aside to celebrate laborers for their achievements and contributions to our society. Think about it, where would we be without them? As Christians, we know that scripture places high value on work and workers from Genesis to the very end. Martin Luther wrote the following words to laborers on the value of their work in God's sight when he said this, Look at your tools, your needle, your thimble, your beer barrel, your articles of trade, your scales, your measures, and you will find this saying written on them, My dear friend, use me toward your neighbor as you would want him to act toward you with that which is his. In other words, our labor is a means of loving and serving God and neighbor. It's a sacred thing. It's also our pulpit for living out our faith in Christ before others with our hard work, honesty, and integrity. Since Labor Day is tomorrow, I thought I'd gear the message for today towards the subject of being a, more, uh, being a more effective laborer. And if it's heated and followed, it will prove to be very helpful for your life as a laborer. Our case study for today is about a fellow laborer, Jesus. As you may know, in his early years, he worked as a carpenter like his earthly father, Joseph. And during that time, I'm sure he learned the value of a good day's work and doing the job well. I'm sure he experienced the same tiredness at the end of a day or a week, like we experience, and he probably knew the pain that comes with working as a carpenter, uh, things like cuts and bruises and, and uh, frustrations with trying to make his products fit together just right so they wouldn't collapse or break. He knew what it was like, I imagine, to deal with customers who could be demanding and, ob- and obnoxious. He also experienced the joy and satisfaction that comes with a job well done and a happy, satisfied customer or boss. He loved being able, I'm sure, to contribute, to put bread on the dinner table and support his family from the fruit of his labors. When Jesus hit the age of 30, he changed jobs. He went into full-time ministry for his Heavenly Father, the ministry for which he'd been sent he had a mission to announce to his people this message from God, that the kingdom of God had arrived through Jesus. We read about his job description in our passage for today, and we see that it, uh, it's a weighty uh, job description. And as we read the gospels, we see Jesus on the road traveling from village to village with this exciting message. He would get up early in the morning and work late into the evening. He experienced pressure cooker situations daily, rejection, demands, and hostility. He dealt with the worst in the human situation. He he was surrounded by sickness and moral depravity and hopelessness and anger and stupidity and despair. Some days must have been absolutely draining. He experienced hunger, thirst, and weariness along the way. He knew firsthand what it was like to be a laborer. And as he was laboring, think about this, he was also carrying in his mind what lay ahead for him, a cruel death on a cross, which would serve as an atoning sacrifice to pay for the sins of humanity. And we know that was on his mind a lot, as he predicted it openly three different times to his disciples, and it caused him such great consternation in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. One thing I've noticed, though, in studying the Gospels is that Jesus never seemed to be lacking in compassion, love, patience, understanding, and energy, and creativity as he did his work. It, it never seemed work to, to get the best of him. He, he never seemed confused about his life purpose, priorities, and plans. He was what you would call a very well-grounded person. So where do you suppose he got that uncanny ability to operate in life like that? True, he was the Son of God, but he was also fully man, entering the world like one of us, experiencing life as we experience it. There's a place in Scripture which offers us a clue where all these excellent characteristics came from as he carried out his work in this world. The verse is found in the fourth chapter of Luke. Jesus had just put in a full week of hard work, preaching in the synagogues, in the villages and cities. This is what Luke records for us. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, his habit. Jesus had many holy habits, like fasting and praying, solitude. And one of the most important habits for this labor, Jesus, was to observe the Sabbath, a day for rest. He understood the Sabbath as a gift from God, a resource for resting and re-energizing. In fact, he said to those who were nitpicking at him over what people could or couldn't do on the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. It's a gift from God to laborers. Of course, Jesus knew the creation story. He was there as a member of the Trinity. God labored for six days and rested on the seventh. Jesus also remembers the day the Ten Commandments were given when God said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, set apart from all others, and then explained to his people that this was a precedent he had set at the time of creation, him uh, resting himself after six days of making the world. So being created in God's image, we need to walk in God's rhythms in order to function effectively. And let's face it, folks, you can work seven days a week, and some people do, unfortunately. They never slow down. And here's what's going to eventually happen. Folks that do that are going to crash and burn and lose out on their relationships with God and their family. Burnout and stress and relational problems are all too common occurrences in people's lives, busy lives today, in and outside of the church. And that was never God's intention for us. We were wired to stop, take a rest, and to ignore that is foolish. Even the pagans of the past recognized this. Ovid, a Greek poet wrote once, Take rest. A field that has rested gives a bountiful crop. David Itzkoff wrote an article in Vanity Fair magazine entitled Inside the Final Days of Robin Williams. Robin Williams was a famous actor and comedian who committed suicide back in 2014. Near the end, he was facing daunting professional and personal challenges. His film career was on the decline. He was harboring guilt about his divorce from his wife and two children, and he was trying to adjust to life with his new wife. He tried to find solace and significant significance in, in working more. But work and business didn't heal the deepest needs of his soul. Itzkoff writes in his article, but what proved more powerful than the pleas from his colleagues and from family members to slow things down, even more powerful than Robin's desire to sustain his life with his new wife and to be a good earner for his managers and agents, was his own desire to keep working through the pain, the one cure-all that had helped him cope with past troubles. His makeup artist said of Robin Williams, I don't think... He thought he could blow up what he built for himself. It's like he didn't worry about anything when he worked all the time. He operated on working. That was the true love of his life, above his children, above everything else. If he wasn't working, he was a shell of himself. And when he worked, it was like a light bulb was turned on. It's a sad story with a sad ending. God did not wire us to keep our engines revved up 24-7. We need regular Sabbath rest for our body, mind, and spirit. Now I'm not talking about leisure and vacations, as nice as those are, I enjoy those. I'm talking about regular Sabbath rest, ceasing from your daily labor. We have a tendency to do just the opposite in our lives, and the world applauds this, promotes it. Someone once observed, Americans have a tendency to worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. Work was never meant to be our God. There's only one real God. And rest was never meant to be work for us, making us more tired at the end of a weekend than we were at the beginning. And worship was never meant to be treated as entertainment, as something you once in a while play at what do you suppose jesus used his sabbath for well we know he used it for resting from his regular daily labor he knew god had created sabbath for man he knocked off from his daily work like his heavenly father did I think we can assume that he took the opportunity probably to reflect on what he was doing, upon his life, on the big picture, and on the blessings of God in his life on the way. Today, we see something else, though, that Jesus did on the Sabbath. He worshiped. We're told in our passage that it was his custom, his habit. It was important to him as a laborer. Why? Well, one reason was because it was the obedient thing to do. He had come to live the perfect life of obedience, so he would be the perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine on the cross. God had commanded this Sabbath rest in the Ten Commandments, and so, of course, Jesus kept all the commandments. But besides that, Jesus knew he needed this time in worship as he carried out his work. He knew of its value for him. In Deuteronomy 5, we see God telling his people to use the day to come together in worship to remember his faithful deeds for his people. They needed to be regularly reminded of God's past faithfulness, his powerful deeds and love and mercy towards them in order to have themselves renewed in faith before they started a new week of labor. They needed to know where their strength really came from. And worship provides that. And Jesus needed it. And the truth is so do we. We live in a world today in which we are being daily bombarded with a host of messages which distract us and lead us away from walking with God in faith and obedience. In our busy routines, we easily lose focus on what's important and what our purpose is. We can get so confused and filled with doubts which lead us to despair and a loss of joy. We start coming apart at the seams, and so we need to get grounded again, detoxified, so to speak, from worldly values that can lead us astray and beat us down. On my old house, there was a deck, and after each winter season, I would find that the nails had popped out. And I would have to go out each spring and I'd hammer them back in in order to keep that deck from falling into a state of disrepair. Well, my life is like that deck. I need to have God's truths hammered in again and again to keep me from falling apart. I need to hear the truth that I'm created in God's image and precious in his sight. I need to be reminded that I'm a sinner that I'm not as smart as I think I am, but I'm one who's in need of God's forgiveness and direction. I need to gaze once again upon the greatest work ever accomplished by God for me, the cross where Jesus died to pay for my sins because God so loved me. He sent him there so that I not perish, but have eternal life. You and I, as followers of Christ Jesus, need to be reminded not only of what he's done for us, but what he's doing for us, that he is present and available, that he goes with us each and every day and nothing can snatch us from his loving hand. We need to catch a glimpse of the big picture of God's redemptive plan for his world, a picture of heaven, and that the ending is in God's hands. He's in full control, having the last word. And I need to trust and obey him. That kind of pause has a power to refresh, re-energize, and renew us as we head off into another week of work. Bishop William Willimon told a story about a visit he made to an inner-city church. He had been invited to be the guest preacher that day. He said, the service lasted a long time, not because of my preaching, but because there was lots of singing, praying, and testifying. Willemond questioned the pastor about the length of the service afterwards, trying not to sound critical. Well, the pastor told him that many of his people were unemployed. Others were barely scraping by with their work minorities, people were broke, and all week long they heard that they were worthless and nothing. The pastor said he decided that he wanted to give them as much time as he possibly could, letting them hear that they are loved, important, and precious in God's sight. Basically, they needed to get the truth pounded back into their heads again about that before they faced another challenging week. Jesus knew that. He received that refreshing renewal in worship, singing the Psalms, hearing God's holy word, praying in the presence of fellow worshipers, checking in with other uh, brothers and sisters. It was there, to, he, he could go there to focus on how great and faithful God really is and be built up again. And so he went, as was his custom. My fellow laborers, God has provided us the opportunity to get our nails pounded back in again and again as we rest and reflect and renew ourselves in Sabbath worship. He knows what makes us work best. He knows what makes us tick as his creations. And we need a Sabbath rest and renewing worship. It's a holy healthy habit that provides us with exactly what we need. I have one more Bible verse for laborers, and it comes from Jesus. It's a promise to those who are still looking for rest for their souls. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you have not come to him in faith yet, Friend, this is an open invitation to come to him now in repentance and belief, which means turning from the old ways of thinking and doing things and following him as a disciple, yoking yourself to him as his apprentice. And as you entrust your life to his care and leadership and walk in his footsteps, picking up his holy habits like Sabbath rest and worship and trusting him in all things, you will discover that Jesus really does know what makes life work best that he really is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for work and the fruits of our labors. By the power of your Holy Spirit, protect us, though, from making it a God, an idol in our lives. Help us to operate like Jesus, our Savior, who rested from his labors and worshiped. Amen.
4: Stay the child.